Some of the world's greatest stories are told through song. We tell the stories about those who give us these songs. Not all the songs are great but, god damn do these guys make it interesting. You are now listening to, Voluble Radio Podcast. Hey everybody, how you doing today? Uh, welcome to Voluble Radio Podcast. This is uh, your host Mike, and co-host with me here is Ryan. How's it going? And we got uh, our producer Rich uh, fact-checking in... Hanging out. All right, cool. Um, and yeah, uh, so today we are going to be talking about uh, Black Flag. I thought you said anti-flag. Oh, That's what no. I did my research on. Oh, dude. Fuck. Ah, they're the same band. Don't worry about <laughs> it. <laughs> um, yeah, I make some kind of anti-flag, but I don't know much about them. <laughs> Political. I don't know anything pop. about anti-flag. I know my brother used to like them. They got some okay songs, but they're just generic. Mm-hmm. Pop punkish kind of stuff, but not catchy like Blink One Eight Two was. More so, it's like pop punk, but about like rocking against Bush. Or... Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, probably. Yeah, but we're not talking about that. Yeah, but we're not talking about anti. <laughs> not anymore, at least. <laughs> or is it anti flag? Anyway, no, we're talking about Black Flag. You know what's interesting about Black Flag's logo is, I think they said this in the documentary that it's like one of the. What is it? Uh, top tattoos people get in the country. Yeah, I heard that. I think it's just below swastika. As <laughs> <laughs> most popular tattoo in the world. I don't know. It just, to me, like the band Black Flag isn't so much like a punk band, but they're also like a graphic design band. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of, the, like the logo, the way that they're, they're lettered, right? Yeah. Black Flag. I feel like they gave a lot of influence to the scene in general. Like a lot of it. Oh, no, Absolutely. It was like punk was like the Ramones with the leather jacket, jeans, leaning against the wall, right? And then it went to more of like black and white, artsy, you can do whatever you want. Everything's punk now, you know what I mean? Would you you say you were like a fan of Black Flag at all? No, I... um... I kind of got... I got... uh, Was it Damaged at that album? It was all right. I don't know, like if you say like the Misfits... I like the whole horror thing about them and mm-hmm. spooky shit. Just make a song about a ghost. There you go. <laughs> uh, Done. So, Boom. Next it. song. Werewolf. Let's go. <laughs> Werewolf. Keep it rolling. What, what else we got? Mummies? <laughs> Do it. And so that's what they – and I don't know. I like Mummies and Werewolves better than – I don't know. I would always see that T-shirt in high school and yeah. just be like, oh, that's such a cool – like to me, I always thought that logo was amazing. Like, It kind of feels like they're, they have uh, the same thing that him – got into the band that Bamajera was in love with, that their logo is more synonymous and bigger than they That's, are. Uh, the, uh, yeah, the like, hard, hardogram? They, the hardogram, right. how that, you see the hardogram, you know him. That's like a, the logo is better than the band was right, right. as a whole. Just seeing that logo, you're like, That's an awesome logo. Same thing with these guys, maybe. How everyone likes their logo and then gets into the band. Like, mm-hmm. do you think that's good for them? Or do you think they kind of did a hymn where, I like, the logo's really- bigger than they are and... Kind of with Misfit Skull. Everyone knows that Misfit Skull, whether you don't know oh, yeah. Misfits or anything, mm-hmm. that kind of is bigger than they are. I would say that I like that. Like, I think it's branding is like really cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I would say it's because kind of a graphic design that I even gave a fuck about Black Flag at all. Yeah. Uh, the little experience I have with them, I was playing in a punk band for just a little bit and we played Rise Above. Mm. And then I was like, okay, this, these guys are pretty cool. I read a lot about them, like, back in the day. Like, they're supposedly avant-garde and stuff. And I used to listen to the residents and shit. So I was like, 
or I'll give him a chance. The best of both worlds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Punk and avant garde. <laughs> yeah, I love that shit. Yeah, uh, but <clears throat> but like even with the logo, like it's really cool that uh, one of the band members was like an artist in the band. You know, like they had like a, a singer, they had a guitar player, they had a drummer, they had a bass player, and then they had like a graphic designer that was yeah. technically part of the band. Like, it's kind of like um, Cottonmouth Kings has that. Uh... <laughs> Has uh, the guy that just dances on stage? He wears that. Looks like a mask, like he got in like a full body like cast, and his right. face is masked up. Popalock, I think okay. his name okay. is. <laughs> and his whole thing is just to dance on stage. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's almost like. But he doesn't go to the show and just do art. I did see a band that did that. No, the guy didn't go to the shows and like paint pictures. No, that just the show. That literally. I saw that um, for opening for Pepper um, a couple weeks ago. Yikes! I saw a guy on stage. The band's playing, and uh, everyone there is high because it's Pepper. It's a sublime wannabe, basically. Mm. And um, oh, what the fuck was the opening band's name? I can't remember. Bob Ross. <laughs> There's a guy painting a whole picture, <laughs> like jamming, dancing to the music, and painting, and That's then sold weird. it and said, "We'll be for sale after show." I was like, "That's uh -huh. cool." And it's like a picture you use, like a cove with like fucking waves and shit. Oh, ooh, that's nice. So fit the vibe of the music. Tribal Seeds, that's right. Tribal music. Seeds, yep. there you go. Oh, that's an interesting little like shit. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I thought it was cool. I was watching that the whole time rather than the mm -hmm. band. There you go. So maybe it's not great to do. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, but I guess the band starts in California. I would say like, I think it's like SoCal. Hermosa Beach. Thank you, Richie. Um, <laughs> thank God you're on the, on the fact check <laughs> yeah, on this damn. one. I had to go all over the place for this one. Um, so Greg Ging, Gin, basically it starts with the guitar player. He's only the he's the only consistent member in the band. He's now uh, he's the one with the dreadlocks now. I don't think so. I'm, no, no, no. That's Keith Morris. That's Keith Morris. That's all Keith right. Morris. We're gonna get into him. So Greg Ginn, he's kind of like a normal looking guy. Like he's kind of got like. Uh, um, extreme features i don't know he's very shy and like introverted you could tell all right somebody that i work with is a really big fan of black flag or not black flag of uh greg in mm. um and he even says like yeah greg Ging's the biggest fucking asshole on the face of earth. like <laughs> he just seems like a dick apparently and i don't know this is just hearsay but he doesn't pay a lot of royalties out to anybody oh I, yeah i guess because he thinks it's it, it is technically his band but anyway i'm sorry so it starts in sixty. I mean, look at listen to all the royalties you'd have to pay with all these people in it. It'd be fucking because it's broke. not even <laughs> just Black Flag. Really, where Black Flag starts is uh, this business that Greg Ginn starts, and this is like sixty six. I think he's like twelve years old. Damn. And um, he starts a business called Solid State Tuners, and what he does, it's a mail order business that they sold like modified World War Two. Surplus radio equipment, right? It's kind of weird. So, like, he would find this weird stuff. Like, he was, like, doing eBay stuff, like, way before eBay. Like, this is 66, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's going around. He finds these old beat-up radios, somehow puts out ads in the paper or something, finds correspondence with people. They send it to him. He fixes them up and modifies them and sends it back to them. Damn. So he gets successful with this. by, And by the time he's, like, 18, he's already got a storefront in L.A. So this guy is like a very smart, very intuitive kind of person. Like yeah. he knows business, like he knows how to turn things over. Just to get into like how smart he is, uh, Greg Ginn didn't pick up the guitar until he was about 19. All right. So he's like one of the most iconic guitar players ever, started one of the most iconic 
I mean, I've never heard of him. But you've never heard of Greg Ginn? No. Wow, that's surprising. Yeah. Are you saying what's Fred Gwynn? Fred Gwine? Isn't that the... Greg Ginn. All right, Fred Gwine or Gwynn is he's plays Herman Munster, right? No, that's not... Look up Herman Rich, Munster. who played Herman Munster? No, that was... What's Fred his face? Gwynn. Gwine. The two Utes. Two Utes? <laughs> I love that movie. Um, I think his name's Fred Gwynn. You got nothing on him, Rich? God, Rich. No, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, okay. All right. Fred Gwine? Gwine? Uh, yeah, I know, I know right. how to say it, but all right. So that That's is Herman Munster. So Herman Munster, he starts, starts this radio front thing. <laughs> <So> now it's, <laughs> he invents oh, eBay. No. Sorry, I'm really high. What do you say? <laughs> so, yeah, Greg Ginn, Herman, he, he starts this business when he's 18. He's got a storefront. He picks up the acoustic guitar at 19. He's kind of going to college, it seems like, but he, he knows what he wants to do. He wants to be like a business guy. Now, um, just business he wants to do, or he wants to do stuff with radios and like. Sell, yeah, like, I mean, technician. he might be going to school to learn how to, you know, tweak these radios yeah, better yeah. or something. I'm not really sure. I didn't. There was like a lot to go over, so I couldn't go too, too far into yeah, that. Yeah. But um, so eventually. He gets an electric, and he meets local musician Keith Morris. Now, Keith Morris, he's the guy with the dreads that we were just talking about. Yeah. To meet Keith Morris, it, so, you know, we play this game, end of the show, we do who plays who in the movie. And I just got I to give Keith Morris away because it's too good. Uh, Keith Morris is kind of like a modern-day Mark Maron if Mark Maron never stopped doing drugs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he's That's got dreads down to his knees. He looks like Mark Maron. He kind of sounds like Mark Maron. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, no, not there. Uh, you got to uh, – <laughs> Rich, Google where he's got the hat. Uh, he's wears this like – Google wearing that Mark Maron hat. <laughs> no. He's got a hat. Yeah, that's it. Show, show Ryan that. Lock the gates! Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, does that not look like... Yeah, like Mark Marion before he grew the beard out, like when he was still kind of clean-shaven. You, you didn't get a chance to watch any of his interviews, right? Um, I watched a couple. With Keith, with, with Keith or no? Yeah, I think so. I don't know what your impression of him is, but he's like... He's like really all over the place. He's always like kind of rocking. He's like, yeah, man, and the way that things were in Black Flag... <laughs> He's just got this very odd way of speaking. Um, and, Tweaked. Uh, yeah, I don't want to say that, but yeah. So Greg meets him. Yeah, that might be the worst thing we say about someone on <laughs> yeah, this podcast. God forbid if we say he's tweaked out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Keith at the time, he's like a drummer despite not having a drum set. So he meets I Greg. I feel the same way. <laughs> I call myself the same thing. So he tells Greg, like, they meet, I think him and Greg meet because they have, like, mutual friends. It's just like, uh, you know, people you meet in the community mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, so Keith, I was watching this, like, uh, interview, and Keith was, like, talking about how he almost purchased a stolen drum kit from another mutual friend that was <laughs> in the band or something. Yeah, apparently Keith claims to have gotten Ginn into, like, Sabbath, like, New York Dolls, the Stooges, and, like, anybody that's familiar with Black Flag, like, whether you like them or you don't like them, the one thing that I find cool about Black Flag is, like, they started punk hardcore. Hardcore, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? Hardcore punk, like, they kind of started that, so it's cool to see, like, the bands that are starting to, like, influence them, like, this, like, very influential guitar 
playing that like I, I guess you could say like grunge came out of like a lot of cool things I would say came out of his guitar playing. Let's see here. Uh, the reason Keith moves to vocals and doesn't end up playing imaginary drums is uh, that they're hanging out at the store that Gin has, and it's like one o'clock in the afternoon, and Keith is already drunk out of his mind apparently. And uh, Search and Destroy comes on the um, on the radio, and Morris kind of loses his mind. He's doing like backflips off the table. <laughs> Sounds a little embellished. I'm sorry, like all oh, yeah, I. <laughs> I don't know. This could actually, when you see this guy speak, and I would recommend anybody Google an interview with Keith Morris. Uh, I would definitely believe this, but um, yeah. So he's uh, he's doing backflips off the front desk, uh, and while he's raging out, he's uh, singing along with the song. For the first what, time, he's hearing it, but he's singing along with it. That's no, not the first time he's hearing it. Oh, he, all right. Yeah, it just came on the radio. And oh, all right, all right. Out. I thought it was like the first initial Iggy hearing them and shit and. No, no, no. Um, yeah, no, he's an imaginary drummer at this point, so he doesn't know that he has this vocal backflipping <laughs> capability. <laughs> so, um, Gin's like, no way, man. You, you put the, you put those goddamn invisible drumsticks down. You're our singer, pal. And yeah, so then, uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> he was playing those uh, beat ones that are just the sticks and the sounds come out of them. <laughs> well, this is 76. So oh, shit. So we invented that, too. Yeah. And eBay. These guys are really. I mean, Greg Ginn is like, uh, yeah, like uh, he, Inspector Gadget. That's not the right guy I'm thinking of. Like some kind of like like uh, data from uh, the Goonies kind of guy. He's speech like... impediment. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> um. So, yeah, uh, so basically he convinces Morris uh, to start singing songs that he's been writing. This is Gin. So he's, like, been writing music for a little bit now. And the duo start a band called Panic. Uh, so it doesn't start off as Black Flag. They start off as Panic. Still a pretty good band name. Yeah. Okay, so one of their first performances they play is uh, <laughs> in Manhattan Beach. It's like a national park kind of area. It's like a wreck. Like six Flags? No, like... Oh, no, that's amusement park. Oh, just like a... a recreational park, right. like a parks and rec kind of area. <laughs> yeah, okay. So it's like Manhattan Swing Beach. Sets and like, shit. think about like a gazebo kind <laughs> yep. of situation, right? Um, so Slides. <laughs> it's Manhattan Beach. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't get the which park it was, uh, but it was, yeah, Manhattan Beach in California. So, uh... Gin convinces the Parks and Rep group, uh, Recreation Rep, oh, Jesus Christ, convinces the Parks and Recreation representative that the, Leslie, group, nope. that the, goop, that the, goop, that the group was a uh, jazz band and would play Fleetwood Mac covers sometimes. So, what, what year is this? Uh, this is 76. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so that's what he tells them. And um, the guy's like, okay, great. Our orchestra dropped out for this like family <laughs> thing. And it's just the two of them, or it's a full band? No, they have um, they have other guys in the group. Right. Like in the beginning, it's like the uh, Ray, who's the graphic designer, yeah, yeah. bass sometimes, All right. um, it, like drop in drummer shit like that. But uh, so they play this concert, and uh, the band's playing in front of like all these picnicking family, family, these picnicking uh, families, <laughs> families, <laughs> these picnicking families, and they all start throwing food and bottles at the, <laughs> at the band. Because it's just like, I'm about to have another breakdown. And like, just all these people are throwing fucking every, like, boom. Oh, that's great. 
I did that once. I was in uh, this band in the early thousands, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to be playing New York this weekend. I was like, oh, fuck yeah, where are we playing in New York? And they're like, turns out they're like, I just follow me. So I'm thinking I'm going to the city, and again, I'm going to have to pay tolls. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to follow these guys into the city. Mm -hmm. It's just upstate New York. At a steakhouse at like seven o'clock at night Ugh. with just families. There was a full like twenty seat thing, family grandmothers and everything. We have to play this crappy metal music in front of them. It was oh, so embarrassing having to play this restaurant. So I know what that's like, and it's fucking terrible. Oh my fucking god, that's fucking. It was awkward, dark, full awkward. <laughs> oh, he saw it and Rich just actually had to sit in the crowd, damn. <laughs> ordering his fucking mozzarella sticks, acting like he didn't know us. <laughs> no, really, yeah, I, who are these guys? <laughs> keep throwing the mic. I don't know them. So after a few uh, lineup changes in the band, they finally settle on this guy Gary McDaniel on bass and Brian Migdol on drums. So the group decides to change their name because there's another band named Panic already. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're, they're not really signed or anything, but like they're like, all right, well, people are seeing this. Let's come up with a different name. So I hear, I hear it two ways. Uh, Ray Ginn, a.k.a. Ray Petsabon, like that's his like surname or, mm -hmm. or uh, stage his, name. Yeah, stage name, yeah. What's it called? Uh, came up with the name because he designed the logo first. And then I heard it the other way that they came up with the logo um, or I'm sorry, Greg came up with the logo and then he, or I'm sorry, the Jesus, yep, they, the opposite. God, I hate myself. Uh, Greg came up with the name and Ray came up with the logo. So whatever. Uh, all I know is that when Keith Morris heard the name, uh, he was like, like the roach spray, <laughs> you know, black flag. Roach oh spray. no, I never heard of it. Oh, you never saw that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so around this time, this is like 78, Black Flag starts to record uh, eight songs, and they get the attention of an L.A. record company, Bomp Records. And uh, after some back and forth with Bomp, Ginn decides to release the songs himself. So Bomp is kind of <laughs> fucking them around a little bit. They're like, yeah, we want you. No, we don't want you. Yeah, we want you. No, we don't typical want you. Typical Bomp. Yeah, typical, like. You know, start up quick record label mm -hmm. in the 70s from like <laughs> just researching other bands at this point. Like, yeah, that's pretty typical, right? So, uh, Ginn says, uh, let's see here. Fuck it. I'm going to release these songs myself. So now, uh, Solid State Tuners, this radio business that he has, he turns into a record label. So it becomes right. SST Records. Now, the band uh, begins to play in the What's red. SST stand for? I think it's still solid state tuners, oh, solid but, yeah, but now it's officially SST. Right? Oh, all right, makes sense. Um, and you'll if you've seen if if you saw the logo, you'd recognize. Yeah, it. yeah. it's like that S. Uh, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. This is where the band moves into the famed church. Have you ever heard of that before? No. So this is like '79. Like, you ever see the movie? What the hell is that? The Decline of Western Civilization, Part One. Yeah, I only saw Part Two. Yeah, that's SST. The logo. Metal Years. Because it was funnier. Because it's got uh, the guy, Blackie Lawless, I think it is, from fucking uh, <laughs> Flosp. And he's just blacked out drinking the vodka. I haven't seen that movie in like 10 years. I may be fucking the name. It may not be that guy. It may be someone else. But someone from Wasp is just fucking drinking vodka like water in the pool, oh just God. wasting his mom's there. And it's real sad, but it's funny. So watch the oh, Metal Years. Oh, no, no. I remember seeing that. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. I do remember it's the Metal that. Years one. I don't. I've never seen the first one. I want to see the first one, though. 
Uh, first one's better because I mean, I'm sure it's better. Yeah, because better musicians, like not musicians, but better. Yeah, music. Like there's so there's like this like central location called the church, and basically, you know, punk bands would like rent the space out and even sleep there for as little as sixteen dollars a month. So if you played in a punk band, it was like this condemned church that like went from one person to the next person, and then there was this like period where I guess they were people started squatting there, but they were paying somebody still. I don't know. It's just like this weird thing where they would all rehearse in this old uh, jalopy church, <laughs> right? So uh, Gin was a perfectionist and basically forced the band to practice all the time in the church. And uh, they would do one three-hour rehearsal seven days a week. So it kind of drove the other guys in the band a little bit crazy. Because Gin would always make you want to fucking perform. Like, you have to be here. You have to do three hours. Makes sense. You know, he, he wants to make it. You know what I mean? I, who blames the fucking guy, you know? But now with SST, they release a, the, the Nervous Breakdown EP, and this is Keith Morris singing on it. I guess Keith Morris is doing, like, a lot of, like, speed and coke. So, yeah, I guess you did call him a tweaker before. <laughs> no. Whoa, don't say that about him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so he's on a lot of speed and coke. And I guess he has, like, a freak out, and he leaves the band, and he starts the band uh, The Circle Jerks. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Are you, like, familiar with him at all? Uh, yeah, I know of him. I know a couple songs, but not anything into their background at all i think the only song i know by the circle jerks is that wild in the streets running, yeah yeah running. that song's awesome yeah. um i think i did try to listen to them a little bit during the research i didn't really have a lot of time to get too deep into it but yeah uh definitely worth checking out the circle jerks but the nervous breakdown ep itself uh i would say that if you're looking to get into classic black flag like this is probably where if you most fans of Black Flag say they were at their best. Mm. Either him or later, <laughs> Dez. And when I say later, not that much later from this point. So we're in 79. They released the EP. Keith Morris left. So now Gin finds another local musician, and it's this fan. Ron. Now, why do you leave? He just... He creative differences it, for, okay so i watched this and this is the thing like going into this it, it was like mind-numbing to get everybody's perspective and see who's telling yeah. the truth about this stuff <laughs> so from the way keith morris puts it he's like well i was fucking asshole man i whatever <laughs> like they would make me want to practice and if it wasn't done right so my impression of it is that Gin was like a perfectionist. Like It's like, look, dude, I told you to learn these songs. Learn the fucking songs. We got to play this set. You're doing them tonight. And the, he's just like, I just want to play punk rock and fucking chill, dude. Yeah. You know, like, so he, he does the circle jerks. Plus, I think at this time, like, um, and, and here's what's great about Black Flag. Like, they get the credit for being the first hardcore punk band because before them people weren't, weren't fighting at shows and like moshing like that and yeah. getting that kind of fucked up so <clears throat> they get credit for being the first hardcore band um so i i'm sure that this environment is feeding into like his like kind of freaking out mm. too um makes sense so now ron reyes is in the band and he's a drummer for the band red cross have you ever heard of them no uh this is like a very like early inception of the band red cross they're like an iconic punk band too um so they're also rehearsing at the church at the church and uh when you know it, Greg Ginn finds another drummer to be the lead vocalist of a band. <laughs> but was he a fake drummer, imaginary? No, he was actually playing All right. drums. Um 
Then um, at this time, Midgoal is replaced by Robo, who is like world famous punk drummer. Um, Rich, can you Google Robo's real name? I forget his name. Uh, Dr- uh, Oh, Julio Roberto. Wait, wow. say that one more time. <laughs> oh, jeez, come on. Oh, jeez. Let's see here. Julio Roberto Valverde Valencia. Um, and he's a Colombian-born drummer. Yeah. I mean, we know Robo from recording with the Misfits. I think he was on Earth AD. Yeah, I'm not sure which ones. Uh, we have to wait till we do the, that episode so I know. Because I don't know. Uh, who was in what time period, like yeah. when Bobby Steele was in. Right, right, I don't right. know the classic Misfits lineup, but I don't know how that. From what I researched here, this is right before he went to the Misfits. So I think it's like Earth AD, maybe like those sessions just before those that never got released All or right. whatever that is. That we... Yeah, the, I got the box set of theirs, so I never mm-hmm. got them like chronologically. It was kind of all thrown at once, so right. they kind of just confused the fuck out of me as what was released when. And this is the other thing that's cool about Black Flag is they kind of have this like um, – brothership with the misfits sort of they're like the west coast what the misfits are to me at least like they have an iconic logo you know the quote-unquote best singer left they've had a bunch of it's very there's something yeah i can see that they line up in a weird way to me um so robo's in the band and they also get this guy uh chuck dukowski and he chuck is cool he's like probably my favorite bass player in the band He's also eventually becomes co-owner of the record label, too. And he also becomes, like, I think the manager at one point. I have it in the notes. But, Is he uh, still in the band? No. But, like, he plays, like, jazz stuff. And, yeah, he's he seems like – I he's probably my favorite member out of all the members. Like, I like Dukowski the best. But he replaces McDaniel on bass. Uh, so then in 79, again, they go and record this another EP, Jealous Again. Um, and this has uh, Reyes on vocals. And uh, it's a pretty good EP. I like it. The first three EPs with Black Flag are all easy listens. They're about, like, six minutes apiece. Um, you get, like, maybe 15 songs. Jesus. Yeah, uh, but they're all cool, and I like how lo-fi they are. Jealous Again is really good. The song Jealous Again is really cool. If you, anybody out there has seen uh, The Decline of Western Civilization, the scene with Black Flag where he's like, it's not my imagination, there's a gun in my back, that's Jealous Again. It's a It's a cool song. Or, no, that's Police Story. It's one of those songs. I don't know. It, it's from that album. Um so the thing with Ron Reyes being in the band is, like, he hated the recording process. They basically got him because he was very energetic, but he hated, like, the monotony of having to uh, sit in the studio and have to, like, do it again and again and again. So in 1980, uh, Reyes quits mid-performance at a show. Uh, this is in Redondo Beach, California. The crowd is basically fucking each other up at this point. <laughs> and in the middle of a song, Reyes is like, all right, I'm not down with this. Goodbye. Jeez. And then Gin invites people from the crowd to jump on stage and take turns singing Louie Louie. <laughs> That's so cool. I heard they're Louie Louie. It was not. Yeah. <laughs> no, wait. That's not Louie Louie. <laughs> no, Louie. Yeah, is it? No, that's. Boule, boule. That's what I was saying. Boule, boule. Louie, Louie. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, so now... Wooly Bully, you were... <laughs> Wooly Bully, that's the one Bully, come on, Aunt Ben. Wooly Bully, No, that's not the song they did. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> SST releases the Jealous Again EP, but because Reyes quit mid-show... They... Yeah, Reyes does kind of look like George Lopez, yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, because he quit the band, uh, Reyes is credited as Chavo Pederist on the sleeve of the EP. <laughs> Which I'm like, that's kind of mean. <laughs> they did that, the fuck with them? Yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> And if you saw Reyes talk, he's like, bro, what the hell's going on, man? Like, why'd you do that? He's very, like, Northwestern, like, kind of Vancouver-y sounding, right. you know? Like, <laughs> it's really fun. I, I mean, that's mean, but that's really funny. So then the group um, find another uh, local guitarist, and they convince him to sing. <laughs> oh, guy. they just, like, convincing other people. Yeah, uh, and this guitarist is uh, Des Kadena. And he goes to record the EP six pack. As far as vocals go, Dez is probably the best vocalist in the band. Right. His vocals are very like they kind of sound like Rollins, but just like scratchier. And yeah, you could tell that he didn't have a proper singing technique, uh, Kadena. But I, I don't know. I just like it. But Dez, Dez's vocals are becoming like fucked up because he can't sing properly. He's blown it out so. What they do is they move him over to, to guitar, and then they recruit Henry Rollins, who's singing in the, in the DC hardcore band SOA. Mm. Uh, have you ever listened to SOA or any of that? No. Okay. Like, DC hardcore... What's SOA stand for? Uh, rich. <laughs> <laughs> I meant to write it down, and I didn't write it down. SOA band. Uh, if you can Google that for us, bud. Thank you. Yeah, the, the DC hardcore scene is like... Kind of different than any other hardcore scene. They had like a very unique sound there. Like Bad Brains came from DC and State of Alert. State of Alert. There you go. Who else came from DC? Minor Threat came from DC. Mm. It's like a very like. Unique... No effects from there too. Maybe I don't know effects. Uh... Not no effects. Uh, Fugazi, I meant. Yeah, Fugazi. Yes, that's... no effects. I fuck. Fugazi's uh, what's his name's band? Uh, e. McKay. Yes, yeah. uh, Minor Threat. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. So I it, it was a good call for. Um, I think Black Flag to pick up Henry Rollins. Uh, it's funny because at the time he was uh, <laughs> he was also working at a Carvel as a manager. <laughs> There's a picture of him if you Google uh, Henry Rollins at Carvel, and he's just like, kind of looks like who's the Evil Dead guy, uh, Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell, in yeah, kind of the way he's like making a face. He's dressed like uh, he looks like a young Bruce Campbell. I think. Oh, I think I got who's going to play Bruce. Uh, Bruce Rollins, Henry Rollins, <laughs> fucking <laughs> probably himself. Yeah, yeah, he might be right about that. Um, but the reason he gets to <clears throat> uh, what's it called audition for Black Flag is because Ian McKay from Minor Threat and Fugazi, uh, when hardcore bands would come through the DC area, he'd always like have them stay at his place. So like Rollins is playing in the DC hardcore scene. I think at this time his name is like Henry Garfield or something. Like <laughs> something like that. Yeah. Henry Cookie Puss. Yeah. <laughs> Henry Cookie Puss, yeah. So uh, so he kind of became like familiar with Black Flag through E. McKay. Um, and he kind of knew the guys a little bit. So he heard that they were doing a show in New York. And at this point, Dez just couldn't even sing anymore because he was just fucking his voice up that bad. Like, he was like, guys, no, that, like, actually hurts really bad to sing at this point. So one way or another, Rollins goes up there to New York to just go see Black Flag because it's his favorite band. And he's just going up there. So he's there when they, he finds out Dez can't sing that night. And he's like, 
I think it's Ginn that says, hey, man, you want to give it a shot? I've heard you with SOA or I've heard you sing. So he auditioned right there for them. I forgot what song it was that they did, but he auditions for Black Flag right there and goes, okay, great, cool. We're playing a show down the street. Why don't you come follow us and you just do the show? Mm. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, okay, fuck yeah. So then after the show, hey, man, do you want to be in Black Flag? And he was like, just floored. He's like, yeah, of course I want to be in Black Flag. I just have to go back to D.C. and take care of something real quick. So Rollins goes back to D.C. Um, he talks to his like boss or whatever, and he's like, yeah. Steals all the fudgies, the whales. Well, no, 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 no. Uh, no, he doesn't. He pays for them. He pays for them, and he eats them in the car back to <laughs> Flying saucers. <laughs> he's got all these flying sauces. Uh, so, yeah, he goes back to D.C., Tells his boss, this is the real deal, like, you know, thank you for the opportunity of managing your Carvel or whatever. <laughs> and Rollins' take on the whole thing is really cool. I would recommend anybody um, uh, listening. Trying a Carvel, try some of their ice cream. It's delicious. If you look up at R- Rollins' interviews, he's, like, especially when he's young, he's such a dick. But, like, him as a person and, like, when you get into a story and stuff, he seems like a very genuine and very cool guy, like, in real life. I, 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 yeah, it I, seems like he'd be all right. Like, yeah. he's not douchey. He seems, like, a little shy, but. Yeah. Like, I think he went through, like, some child abuse stuff. And, yeah, it, it, like, from what I read on him, like, he didn't have it very easy growing up. Yeah, like, and Joe Rogan he was talking how he was always on Ritalin and, like, all this crazy shit before it was, like, out into mm-hmm. the public. He was, like, a test animal for all these, uh ADD drugs in D.C. Mm. So, yeah, I think a lot of that, like, ADD and Ritalin stuff kind of pushed Rollins into becoming more of, like, the straight edge. Probably all the sugar. He was eating at the job. (laughs) Yeah, I'm too crazy. You need to calm down. (laughs) It's hard to focus after you eat a whole fudgy the whale. Well, he was very into his fitness, like... Something like, I think SOA had a song where it's just like, I do push-ups to show the bullies what's up or something like that. <laughs> I'm not bigger nowadays. But, you know, with the DC Hardcore 2, like, that's, a, like, Ian McKay, everybody knows, is very straight edge, too. Like, that's his, like, like, the DC Hardcore's, other than Bad Brains, is about, like, no drinking, no smoking. Mm. Like, you know, I don't drink, I don't fuck, I don't smoke, like. What do you do? I don't have fun. <laughs> yeah, I don't have fun. Just scream about shit. I'm just a real irritating guy. <laughs> I like Just Ian constantly McKay. yelling. I love Ian McKay. Talking politics, not drinking or smoking or having any fun. No thanks. Yeah, he seems like the life of the party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so then Rollins is in Black Flag now. So then uh, I guess they had already the, – you said you had Damaged or you were familiar with the yeah. Damaged? So there, there's a version of Damage if you YouTube. Uh, it's so fucking awesome. It's Des Kadena singing that mm. album instead of Rollins. So they recorded it originally with Des. Oh wow, I didn't know that. That's and awesome. It's fucking good. It's better. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's better, but it's good. It's, it's like it's different, and his voice just, dude. If he was more trained with that voice, he would have been a lot bigger. Des, like, yeah, I, that voice was fucking cool. It yeah. was really cool. I uh, definitely, I highly recommend anybody out there. I, they put out so many comments. So Rollins didn't write anything on uh, Damage? Rollins didn't write a majority. Oh, so he never really wrote for Bad It was Black really, Black. okay, so up to this point, it's really Greg Ging, Ginn that's doing a lot doing of the everything. writing. Chuck Dukowski, who's the bass player, does a fair amount of writing too. I think the only original songs they do with Rollins from Damage might be Rise Above and TV Party. Are the only two people now? Yeah. But yeah, so now Dez is just playing like rhythm guitar with uh, with the band. 
Dez is the guy in the TV party video, if anybody knows it. He's the guy that's on the ground and everybody's throwing <laughs> shit at him and pouring beer on top of him. That's incredible! They're like spilling beer on top of him. <laughs> so they're not straight edge either, Black Flag. Rollins kind of was, but that was really it. The other guy, Greg Giddon, I think smoked a lot of pot. It's so funny. Uh, Rollins tells this story about the first time he smoked pot was with uh, Black Flag. <laughs> it was only one time. He was like, it was so boring. He's like, I took what uh, he's like, all right, I need something to do. Like, give me something to do. I think we were in front of 7-Eleven. So I hit the joint. I was so bored out of my mind. I was like, how long does it take till this wears off? <laughs> and the other guy's like, I don't know, like two hours or something. And like, he went and sat on a curb and just looked at his watch Jesus. for the high to go away. I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, what a buzzkill. Yeah, that, that makes me depressed. <laughs> I was watching uh, an episode of Freaks and Geeks the other day, and it was when uh, James Franco's character wanted to be punk, and he uh, gets black flag uh, damage, and he's listening to it, and then he like turns all punk, and he's looking in the mirror trying to get all punked up, and his hair is all... That's awesome. It's pretty funny. That's really fucking awesome. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so then Rollins comes in, and they basically re-record, what's it called, uh, Damaged, and um, you know, it's it's interesting... Black Flag, like from the beginning, would be like kind of more straight punk. Like, you, like you know, like we were listening, um, or no, you said you were familiar with Nervous Breakdown. Maybe not the EP, but the song, you know. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like from that, going from that kind of punk to what like Rollins era punk sounds like, it, it just made like this huge jump. I feel like, like it went from like they were the first hardcore band, and before there was even a post hardcore. Damaged is kind of like a post-hardcore album. Like, it's like Rollins punching the mirror, and yeah. it's like the first album <clears throat> that doesn't feature uh, Ray Pettibon, Gary artwork, Gink, artwork. Yeah, oh, wow. brothers. Is that artwork. when they got like the falling out? Not yet. Not yet. Not oh, yet. All right. Um, yeah. So yeah, at this point with Ray, he's been doing art for other bands. SST is also starting to pick up as a record label. I think they sign uh, Meat Puppets at this point. Mm-hmm. They sign Minutemen. Rich, could you just Google list of SST bands? Maybe we could kind of like just reference back to that. But they uh, SST as a label got the start for a lot of bands that that influenced a lot of people. It's like Black Flag was almost, from doing the research, in my opinion, they were kind of like that cliche Velvet Underground thing everybody says, where Velvet Underground didn't sell the most albums, but every album that they sold, everybody that bought an album started a band. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's kind of what Black Flag was for me doing the research. I'm like, yeah, if you, yeah. Who's who did Sonic Youth oh, wow. was on SST. Wow, nice. Yeah, Meat Puppets, awesome. Descendants. Yeah, so there was a lot of. That's a, lot, that's a big. Yeah, piece. SST was very important to like that independent music coming up. And uh, the album My War, I think, was on uh, Kurt's. Like, I always find this so funny. Remember back in the day, like everybody had a list of like, what's my favorite album of all time? <laughs> like Kurt Cobain had one too. He's like, uh, I think My War is number twenty-eight on my all-time list, or something like pretentious like that. Like, I mean, I would do the same thing probably. Yeah, I would too probably. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's just very interesting to see them transition into this like str- like more straight punk into more of like a metal punk. Like they're like like Henry Rollins with the shaved bald head kind of jacked yeah. he's like the archetype for all short jacked bald guys that front bands like phil and samo or like uh, <laughs> barefoot and shirtless yeah barefoot and shirt like james maynard keenan said he was uh maynard james keenan maynard jesus uh maynard james keenan no james maynard keenan. maynard 
Maynard. Maynard from Tool said that he was very influenced by Black Flag. And you can you, you can hear that um, musically they were even influenced by them very early on, too. It's very interesting when you listen to, like, early uh, 90s, late 80s, how much of that, like, metal grunge kind yeah. of thing is actually from Black Flag. Um, so on the Damage CD, uh, or album, I should say, uh, a couple good songs. What year did that come out? Uh, this is 81. All right. Uh, a couple cool songs on there are TV Party. I like TV Party. I know you said you weren't a fan of that. Yeah, it's just kind of corny. I find it to be one of the funniest songs ever. Like, it's an anti-TV theme. Uh, Rise Above, which is just probably one of their more straightforward punk songs. Yeah. They have a cool song, Police Story, on there, uh, which I like a lot, and a song, Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Oh, yeah, yeah. Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. Want some more. Yeah, that's a cool song. Um, gimme, Gimme Shock Treatment. <laughs> do no, that. that's not them, no. Oh, it be. So basically, the band at this point kind of gets into some legal trouble, um, and it happens because Unicorn Records picks up the album, Damaged, and they're a subsidiary of MCA Records. Right. Um, and what they do is they fucking screw Black Flag pretty badly. So they pick up the album, and they're about to be a defunct... Uh, record label uh, or a distributor I should say Unicorn but they have Black Flag sign everything over to them and all the stuff the boss hears the album and basically the way it's told by a bunch of different people is Unicorn was about to go bankrupt and they didn't really have the bank role to put that album out because it would just put them under so what they did was because all the contracts were signed the executive MCA was like okay this is what I'm going to do I'm going to say that this is an anti-parent album, therefore we don't agree with it, so we're not going to like fully release it. It was like this weird thing, like it, like all the pressings didn't get put out. It was like a very small percentage of them, and it, and Black Flag also kind of being um, another like cutting their own path had like the first parental warning sticker on the album. That it, was the first one to have it. I thought it was like two live crew. No, no, this is before this before is all that, yeah, or any of this. It was like ten years before, almost. Yeah, the record label itself put their own censor fucking thing on the thing, and it said, "Warning: This album contains an anti-parent." Oh message. Jesus! So it's like this. Weird... That just makes people want to buy more, though, kids. Yeah, so, so that was a good marketing thing. Kind yeah, of. kinda. Yeah, I, I, it doesn't help at all. I mean, basically, the album's not really selling well. And they basically say to Black Flag, go fuck yourselves. Like, how dare you write this out? And they try to make put all the blame on them when it's really yeah. the record, the distributor that's mm -hmm. not putting it out the right way and all this stuff. So what they do is they refuse to let Black Flag use their name on anything. So they can't call themselves Black Flag. Yeah, so Black Flag is Henry Rollins, Greg Ginn. That, they just put their full names because they release a couple of compilations after this point, SST. But it doesn't say Black Flag or have the logo. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't have time. I was thinking about this on the drive over here. I was like, I should have looked up to see if you have an original pressing with just their names on it, how much that would be worth. Yeah, right. Because that would be really cool. So, um, yeah, so for a little while, they're just going by their names in the people in the band. So Henry Rollins quits Carvel to join Black Flag. He gets the Black Flag tattoo. <laughs> Wait, you... Uh, Speaking of that, the, you have a story about the black flag tattoo. Like he was getting it wrong on his. Yeah, he was talking about it. There's a documentary about the uh, 
the logo. The logo, and he got it like uh, he's so nice of a guy. While he's getting it, he realized they're putting the like I think it goes low, high, low, high. Yeah, they were doing opposite. And they did high, low, and he had to be he's like, uh, "Um, sorry, but I ordered a uh, a, a, the right version." Like, okay, we can fix it. <laughs> That's all you had to say. Yeah, I know. He's just. <laughs> yeah, Rollins. Rollins seems like a pretty cool guy in real life. Yeah, like, and I think the one Misfits tattoo he has is pretty jacked. It looks kind of shitty. Yeah, it does. Yeah, because he has uh, just the skull, and then he has one where it's the Crimson Ghost with his arms over. Yeah, uh, yeah, like that. But yeah, so uh, Unicorn's kind of fucking them over with this anti-parent thing. But fortunately for Black Flag in '83, uh, Unicorn goes bankrupt, and now the band is allowed to use their name and everything again. So it took a little while, but now they eventually get it back because Unicorn goes belly up just like everybody had thought they would. At this point, this is where people are saying Greg Ginn is kind of an asshole. He edges Dukowski out of the band. Uh, Ginn writes the majority, and then uh, Dukowski's writing whatever's left. But he kind of edges him out of the band for one reason or another. I, I, I didn't really see why, but uh, Dukowski... It's kind of like hush hush. Like they, like I, I went from a different couple sources, and nobody wants to say the exact reason. But uh, he becomes the band manager at this point, and he's still like running the um, the record label, Damn. more or less. Also, Dez leaves the band to start his own band called uh, DC Three, and they're also on SST Records. So they're still friends with them when they yeah. leave. Yeah, they're it all like kind of like yeah, nobody. No bad blood between them. Even, like, Keith Morris and all those guys, it doesn't seem like anybody really cares that strong. Like, Henry Rollins doesn't have anything bad to say about mm. anybody. Like, That's know. cool that they're all kind of just like... Yeah. It doesn't seem like they like each other very much, but yeah. they doesn't... They're not... They don't hate them. Yeah. they probably got out before, because they weren't, like, super successful at first. Like, mm. you know, they weren't big. Um, yep. They're kind of like an underground growing thing. Well, they never... So, like, they never had the pressure of having to be together and stuff. And they were just kind of like, eh, I'm not feeling it, so I'm going to leave. And like, right. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, yeah, because they never really truly get big either. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, they're never... Like, they like never everybody... have a smash breakout except, like, maybe damage. But that's not... Even... That's yeah. not commercially huge. Yeah, they were very, like, DIY, like, you know, all the way to. Like, I, I like the whole idea of SST records. But, um... Yeah, so Dez is on DC3. They're pretty decent. His vocals are fucking sweet. But, uh, oh, no, it's not him singing. No, I'm sorry. He's only playing guitar on, in DC3. But it, it's a cool band. Um, and then Robo also leaves to join the Misfits. And Bill Stevenson comes in on drums. Now, 84, because they have their brand back and everything, they release three studio albums in a year. The Misfits one. ended 82. Well, yeah. So. Oh, no, I'm sorry. So, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, eight, end of 81, I guess, Robo leaves. Right. There's another guy between Robo and Bill Stevenson. All That's right. what it is. Yeah, Robo left at 81. So the group uh, releases three studio albums and one live album at 84. The first release is My War. So at this point, it's only Rollins, Bill on drums, and Ginn in the guitar. So it's like... Everyone says that Rollins ruined Black Flag, like, if you like this band. But it's like... I feel bad for Rollins because it's like, I joined my favorite band, and then everybody left, and then we weren't allowed to use our name for a little while. Yes, it seems like now it's his it's... fault everything <laughs> yeah. happened, but really it was just yeah. shit luck. And like um, Ginn purposely made Rollins the face of the band and made him talk to everybody because Ginn is like this very introverted person. He doesn't yeah, like yeah. to talk to people. So Rollins and had – probably saw you hearing Rollins speak. He's probably like, yeah, you need to talk more because you have yeah crazy things to say like you're – very outspoken. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, that was a smart idea to have him yeah. talking. 
He's got a good uh, Rollins. He's got a good. Oh, taste. He's the lead singer. Obviously, you got to be the face of the band. Yeah, they played into the whole like idea of yeah. that too. Um, so uh, yeah, the first album they released in '84 is this album, My War, and it features uh, Ray's artwork again, and that's the blue album with that smiley face, the boxing glove, and the butcher knife. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably my favorite album out of all of them. It's the weirdest. Now Rollins isn't doing drugs but he's like kind of experimenting really um i think in the joe rogan thing he said he drank a total of like six times in his life or something like that like he never drank he wasn't into beer but he's doing acid at this point okay so there's like this really weird period where somebody at sst was like hey rollins you're a fucking asshole he's like yeah okay thanks (laughs) appreciate it you should try lsd he's like okay maybe i will try lsd so uh, Rollins tells this cool story on his podcast about all the times they tried LSD and he tried it like five times within a six month period. Oh boy. And, um, did you watch that video I sent you where it's Rollins and he's, um, harassing that kid? No, I kept forgetting you sent it. Yeah, I wasn't. There's this cool thing. Um, if you YouTube and it, it's, uh, Rollins interviewed black flag and he's like picking on this little interviewer, <laughs> like the kid's just like. Like, all right, man, I get it. Like, but I'm on your side. He's like, I don't want you to be on my side. I want you. And he's like this close to him. It's like um, Mean Gene Okrin talking to fucking uh, <laughs> uh, like, the warrior, the warrior or something. He's like petting his head. He's like, I want you to listen to your hearts. You know, like fucking creeper. Uh, but it's funny, like, you know, Rollins, because Rollins always performed like in the shorts. Yeah. So it's like at this time, uh, Rollins grew his hair out, too. Uh, the only reason I referenced the interview, too, is because you could see that he's, like, kind of, like, not right. There's something not right with Rollins at this period. Yeah. And My War is a very, like, schizophrenic-sounding album. It's right. very strange. Like, um, it's purposely recorded, like, mono guitars where it's not stereo. Sound, yeah. And they're not plugged into the mo- into the fucking machine to record. It's actually mic'd and weird. Oh, it's very strange because it's Greg Ginn playing. It sounds good, though. I mean, this, the studio guy, uh, this guy Spot, who was with SST the whole time, was like, hey, that's the way they wanted it to sound. <laughs> that's literally what he said. <laughs> that's what it should be his job to be like, ah, they wanted it to be sound like that yeah, way. Yeah. But, um... No, Spot's a good uh, – Spot's a very good producer. He did a lot of, like, um, uh, the Minutemen and the mm-hmm. Meat Puppet stuff. Yeah. There, you know? Um, but, yeah, but Ginn was like, no, I want it to sound like this. And My War, it, like, it starts off as, like, a hardcore album. The lyrics are very weird. The guitar solos are like atonal, meaning like, you know, they're not really solos. It's just like, <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> this sounds fucking terrible. <laughs> but there's like this element of like, I don't know, like if, if you're listening for it, there's some really cool jazz stuff that's if going on. If you think you there. might be a schizophrenic, listen to it because it might make the schizophrenia come out. It might make it go into recession, maybe. Because <laughs> okay. the schizophrenia is like, whoa, I'm whoa okay, that's, yeah, yeah. that's schizophrenic. I'm yeah. not that. So Rollins is like doing acid during this time for this album. I've I, I realized I've been jumping around a lot here, but the, the thing I want to get here here was uh, so he, one of the stories he tells is like he gets called an asshole. And then he gets uh, this girl and uh, who gets drugs or whatever. He knows that she gets drugs. And he does acid with her. And he just tells this ridiculous story about this girl driving around going like 65 miles an hour around corners and shit. Like legit, like almost hits a family <laughs> in a fucking parking lot or something. Like it's just fucking crazy shit. 
And uh, the funny part about that is he says, she goes, give me one reason why I shouldn't drive this car off a cliff right now. And Rollins is like, because I haven't finished the vocals of my war. And she literally just snaps back into reality. She's like, oh, good point. (laughs) (laughs) I would recommend anybody listen to Henry Rollins podcast on his website. It's kind of hard to access because it's. Just so DIY, he you can tell he did it himself. Like it's hard to kind of find a little bit, but when if you can find it, it's really really funny. Um, and, uh, it's like that scene in Fight Club. Yeah. What do you want to do before you die? I want to finish the vocals on my war. Yeah. <laughs> I want to paint a picture. Yeah. We're painting a picture before a show. Yeah. <laughs> I want to paint a picture during a show and then sell it afterwards. <laughs> I want to finish my vocals on my war. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, but there's like a song. So the first part of My War starts off as hardcore punk. Then once you get into this song called The Swinging Man, which Rollins wrote while he was on acid because he thought he was dead in a corner. <laughs> like they were at the rehearsal space and he's just sitting in the corner rocking back and forth by himself. And everyone comes over and is like, hey, man, are you like, OK, is everything all right? And he's just like, oh, fuck, I thought I was dead. I'm sorry. I thought I was in the corner <laughs> swinging by a noose just now. Like, holy shit. So, uh, yeah, so he writes a song, The Swinging Manly Album, that just sounds very schizophrenic y, kind of. But it's got this, like, jazz kind of thing element to it. I don't know how to describe it. Like, it doesn't sound like music. <laughs> but then the second, the B side of that album pissed off all their fans. And this is where people say they hate Rollins and right. Black Flag, is because there's three songs on the B side, and they're called, I have them written here somewhere. Uh, nothing left inside is the one that starts it. Let me see here. Yeah, nothing left inside. Three nights and scream. There are three songs. Each of them are like six minutes and fifty oh, seconds piece. Not good for punk. And it's just literally like that, like Black Sabbath breakdown for oh, six minutes. God. And they would. I like them because it kind of has that like. Come and fight me, motherfucker! Like '90s hardcore feel to it, right. and I'm like, all right, I could see how this is post-hardcore. Like you guys aren't doing punk anymore; you guys are doing something not yeah. quite metal. Like, yeah, I kind of think that's cool. You know, thing the is, people who knew them mm-hmm. didn't know them for that type of music, so that kind of alienated them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, who was basically, yeah, that, their whole that makes audience sense. almost. Yeah, I, I, it's cool that they at least try Tried something different. Yeah, for try sure, something different. You know. Um, and also, at this time, too, they have their hair grown out a little bit longer. I think I was just saying that, but uh, what Rollins was saying is that they were getting a lot of shit, like, oh, what are you guys, hippies now? Like, <laughs> Rollins is like, for the pe- for a group of people that, like, were supposed to be so free and, like, do-it-yourself and individual, there were so many rules and, like, how to be yeah. punk. Like, fuck you. Yeah, I'm a it hippie now. It does seem like that, yeah. That's what he was, like, saying to people. He's like, yeah, I'm a hippie. I smoke dope, and I'm a fucking asshole. <laughs> like, you know? <laughs> he's just such a... Uh, he's so sarcastic. so funny. Um, yeah, so then... Yeah, they do that more avant-garde, my war, and now... Um, yeah, they finally find a bass player, Kira Rossler. That uh, a fem- woman? Yeah, yeah, she... There's a, there's like a picture of her like in a white dress and she's playing in Black Flag. She's featured on the album um, Slip It In, and that's the next album they release. Um, and if you don't know that album, it's got that cool cover with the nun, mm-hmm. and she's like hugging like the, the naked legs with the Black Flag yep. on them. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what they release next as an album. In between there, and Rollins is singing on that too. Was it Rollins is on that one? Yeah, Rollins sings from this point on. 
in Black Flag. Well, recently they came out with an album in 2003 that's fucking terrible, and it's got Chavo Pederist on it. But um, <laughs> so it's kind of like a bomb that album. Yeah, it's kind of like a bomb. been waiting all show to do that. It's kind of like a bomb. <laughs> but um. I'm so screwed up now. Um, they have, yeah, Slip It In. Oh, actually, before Slip It In, I'm sorry, they do the, a spoken word album. So Rollins is also like a spoken word poet kind of thing. Yeah. So they released this album called Family Man. And the first side of it, and this is also uh, Kira's in the band. Family Man is half spoken word on the A side, and on the B side, it's instrumentals. Oh, God. Yeah, it's. You play them both at the same time. Maybe you'll have an album. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, Rollins, I like him a lot. His spoken word. Uh, Any spoken word is... The only one I listened to, I couldn't really listen to it. I wasn't into it. But uh, he does this, uh, the title track, Family Man. He's like, hey there, uh, nice family man, family man, with your life (laughs) all planned. Oh, it sounds like it's fucking beatnik poetry. It is beatnik poetry. Yeah, it's kind of like freeform beatnik kind of thing. Yeah. God. What year is this? This is 84. All right. 84. Uh, also featured on the album is another spoken word piece. Uh, something where he's like, I had a dream that I... Uh, no, way, hold on. I had a dream that I poured salt all over a slug, and then I was a tongue, and someone dipped me in a vat of salt. It's just like creepy, <laughs> weird, like... And then the B-side... bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... It's cool that he went out and did it. Like, I think that's at least cool. Like, he had the balls to, like, get up there and do stuff like that. <laughs> do embarrassing shit like that? I wouldn't say embarrassing. It, oh, yeah. I would. Um, but they released uh, Slip It In after that, and that's more of a, an extension of the sound on My War. Um, and that's the one, you know, going back to. It's got uh, the title track, uh, Slip It In. Uh, it's got the song Black Coffee, which is pretty cool. Just like, drink your black coffee. <laughs> Stare at the wall. Oh, yeah. All right. I can... <laughs> Done that before? I can, I, can, I can relate. And then after that, they release a live album. Um, for anybody trying to get into Black Flag, I would recommend the live album. It's basically their whole collection from that point. Um, and it's Rollins singing. Rollins is probably the most. Now, the thing with punk live albums, I never feel they're always kind of too all over the place and don't sound coherent enough. This one sounds like... It's, it's like uh, recorded well. This one sounds like a Kiss Alive thing is going on. All right. Yeah, where it's, So it's kind of just like... Recorded live with like maybe audience uh, mixed into it. All right. It sounds like that to me. Quality's really good. All um, right. Actually, I prefer a couple of the songs on that album to the studio versions of the songs. Damn. So... Because it's not like that like weird kind of mixing or anything. It's just yeah. them doing it. I, I prefer that. That's all just right. me. Now, at this point, uh, they're basically starting to break up now. This is like 85. Uh, now, they've released albums all the way up until, I think, 89. But they officially break up in 86. So this is where my research kind of gets a little bit shaky because there's a lot of lineup changes at this point in the band. Uh, it's just Ginn and Rollins, really, that are doing it. I didn't know Rollins was in it for that long. Yeah, it, but Rollins is in it from... 81, 80 to about 86 when they break up. So, yeah, so all the influence that they have on the um, 
on the nineties and like that kind of era of punk, uh, I would say is all Rollins influence too. Like the Blink One Eighty Twos and the yeah, yeah, exactly. Good Charlottes, Goldfingers. And mm-hmm. such. Yeah. Um, yeah. So '85, uh, they had this album Loose Nut. Now they're like full, like hard post-hardcore kind of thing going on. It's not even any really elements of punk. It's more, I mean, maybe slightly. Kind of like, are you familiar with, like, Bad Brains, really? A um, couple of, like, pay to come and all that. It's kind of like how Bad Brains, anybody out there that's a fan of Bad Brains, started off with, like, that pay to come band in DC sound. Yeah. And then they moved into that, like, eye against eye kind of more metal sound. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's kind of, that, That's, like, their transition for this. I think Bad Brains actually went that route after Black Flag had, too, which is kind of cool. But, yeah, so they stick it out, 86... Um, I think it's Rollins gets a phone call from Greg Ginn, and Greg is like, hey, man, so I'm going to go down that road. Oh, I think it's Fred Gwine. My bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Herman Monster. Um, <laughs> so Greg Ginn calls Harry Rollins up and is like, yeah, hey, man, so I'm leaving the band. And Rollins is like, uh, yeah, no, this is your band. <laughs> I don't know. I can't do Black Black. It's joined you. <laughs> and yeah and that's what Rollins kind of says he was just like I didn't know what to say to that I was like okay I guess we're not black there's no more black flag then yeah that's yeah you know which is cool like they're signed under SST it's just basically Greg, Greg is from what I could tell he's a little bit like I said introverted a little bit socially awkward so he kind of does things a little bit weird maybe um yeah, the band dissolves. They put out a couple other recordings that they did. I think a couple more spoken word things, maybe um, more instrumental stuff, and um, more kind of just like a filler. Yeah, a lot of issues start to arise with SST, like towards the end there too. Like, um, I think it's the Meat Puppets left on really bad note with SST. Like, the they meat, did the Meat Puppets go? Where they go to Sub Pop, or is that not? Or am I just thinking no, that? Cause... I think they went to Ryko or one of those weird Rhino. Not Rhino, no, no, no. Uh, something weird like that. That you know, if you bought a compilation of different bands back in the day, they they were more known for like that kind of stuff. Maybe Drew's Ultimate Dance Parties. <laughs> yeah, maybe Drew's Punk Rock Mix. Um, plus, like the Minutemen, um, the lead singer died in that band, which kind of hurt SST too. I think SST's still around, but like basically everything kind of comes crumbling down altogether. Uh, Ginn's got a couple other bands after that. uh, Rollins starts, obviously, the Rollins band um, and eventually moves away from music. And, um, yeah, and then in 2003, Ginn tried to put out the music or put out, or Ginn put out an album with Ron Reyes, Chavo Pederist. They did a couple shows. Then Reyes was immediately out of the band again. And officially on their Wikipedia, I don't know, you're going to have to research this yourself, but uh, Mike Vallely is the lead singer in the band. Wow. Uh, Professional skateboarder Mike V. Uh, Yeah, so. Damn. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much what I got on Black Flag, man. So uh, Mike V, famous for Paul Blart, Mall Cop, and The Hangover. He was in both of those movies? <laughs> yep. I had no idea. He's one of the bad guys in Paul Blart, and he's the guy that gives him the tuxedos at, uh, at the end of The Hangover. And then on any CKYs, he's the guy beating the shit out of fucking yeah, <laughs> bunch yeah. of twerps. I fucking like I love Mike V. Plus, he's from Jersey, so there's yeah, a Jersey yeah. connection. Um, <laughs> we always try to find one for these things. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, after like hearing the timeline. 
Oh, yeah, Des Cadena is from Newark. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah, Misfits and all that. So yeah. that makes sense. So that's cool. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm doing the research. Again, I thought it was cool that, uh, you know, Black Flag and the Misfits had this kinship kind of thing. And, um, yeah, I mean, they were very inspirational. And you can def- I would definitely recommend listening to, like, My War and uh, – even go back as early, like I said before, get get the EPs that they all put out in the beginning. Um, and you could hear a lot of the influence that they had on, especially grunge, especially alternative music, post-hardcore, whatever you want to call it. Even punk. Yeah. Yeah, They, I mean, they changed the look of punk, which was cool. It went from like, you know, I'm going to wear a leather jacket, I'm the Fonzie. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm the Fonzie. <laughs> I'm so punk, I'm wearing this $100 jacket. Well, back then it would probably be $100. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, pretty much. And then, yeah, they kind of changed it where it's just like, dress how you want. You want to wear fucking long, obnoxious dreadlocks down to your knees? Go do it. You want to... Yeah, that's good about them, that they're they're not like mohawk and like the generic crap you think about punk. I think the story's kind of interesting and everything. I'm sure they did influence everything, but I still don't really give a crap about them. I mean, but I respect like... them. Yeah, yeah. I don't dislike them. I just don't... They just don't hit me musically. Like, I don't think they're as artful as, like, say, like, Flea in that um, documentary <laughs> saying. It's just like, like, you knew something dangerous was going down. <laughs> like, come on, Flea. Like, maybe. I don't know. I wasn't there. But, yeah, you could tell um, they definitely had something special. Like, I, I know they were – SST record label, I, at one point, they were getting sto- stoked out by the cops because uh, people were spray painting the logo all over Los Angeles. And they thought, like, Black Flag was, like, a gang or something like that. So they were, like, investigating them. Like, <laughs> you know, I just picture, like, you know, 1970s, like, hey, all you cool guys, I'm totally not the narc guy coming into the store, you know? Like, no, he's not wearing a leather jacket. Yeah. I don't think he's in a gang. But, yeah, I mean, I would definitely check out the Circle Jerks, too. They were fucking cool. Um, as far as who would play who in the movie, you got anybody for that? or Rollins would have to play himself, because why wouldn't he? Yeah. He needs to sense. be in stuff. Yeah. Um, as for the dreadlock guy, you know, and basically anyone. Yeah, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp would play <laughs> yeah. Keith Morris. Or, uh, I'm you know, going to stick with my Mark Maron. Mark Maron. Yeah. Mark Morris. What's with all these punk rockers? <laughs> and I don't know. That's bad Mark Maron. Um Des, I mean, these guys are all pretty like. Who's the George Lopez? Could be the uh, Ron Reyes is George Lopez. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's one one last story. Uh, I, I was watching this interview with Des Cadena about uh, being in Black Flag, and there's a rumor out there that uh, Reyes hit Des in the head with a brick, <laughs> just like in Home Alone Two, because like sh- yeah. <laughs> he from dropped it from the top of a roof. <laughs> Yeah, Dez was coming back from going to band practice at the church, and there was a big uh, iron fucking uh, fucking tube. That <laughs> he had to go the through the window, and there was all broken ornaments under it. Yeah, it kept getting hit in the head with paint cans and stuff. It was hard being in Black Flag. Um, <laughs> but yes, that uh, so Reyes, like I guess, was pissed off about the Ch- Chavo Pederist thing. <laughs> And he hit Dez with a brick, and he's like, Dez, De- Dez is being interviewed in Misfits makeup at telling this story. <laughs> and he's like, uh, he's like, yeah, the funny thing about it is he hit me in the head with the brick, and it fucking disintegrated. I was like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> That's how I pictured it, like a breakaway brick. He cracks it over him, and he just turns around like nothing happened. He's like, ooh, uh, sorry. Yeah. I, uh. Sorry, I uh, got to get out of here. Oh God! <laughs> I'm hide that box. <laughs> I had to come out for the last. <laughs> so yeah, um, 
I guess that's really all we got then, huh? Yeah, that's it. I don't know. Rich, what do you think? Was that a win or a loss, that episode? Yeah. It was a draw. It was a draw. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, tune in to next time. Check us out on uh, Twitter. And thanks again, everybody. <laughs>